Hi, this is Cara Vargas of the WISL. You are listening to Jonathan Ragus and Jim Williams on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Another exciting episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. The little excited me as always is The Voice and my main man, Jim Williams. Jim, what's going on, man? You son of a... <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Just because I've got man boobs, that does not make me worthy of being the sidekick to a Madra shot. You'll always and... be my main man, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just explain on Facebook right after because we were talking? I don't know how we got Ahmad Rashad into the pre-show conversation, but we did. I know how because Ahmad Rashad is just gold. He's the greatest of all time. He's, well, he's a goat. That's for sure. He is a goat. This is true. He is a goat made so, of so gold. Then, <laughs> so, so then, oh jeez. So then after the show, John goes to my Facebook page. I should pimp it on the air. Wait, no, I shouldn't. Uh, and he, he comes up out of nowhere. It's like like 45 minutes after the show. And you you post this image. Let me, uh, let me bring it up here. This is excellent Photoshop work by you. And by excellent, I mean lazy. Very lazy. And, you, and you put up this image of, of Ahmad Rashad in his GQ best saying, Jim, you are my main man. <laughs> Love Ahmad. That's just creepy. That's just creepy, man. Uh, listen, Ahmad sent it to me. He wanted me to give oh, it to you up. personally, right. so uh, I Come decided on. to post that's, it on your Facebook for the world well, to that's, see. That's you're a great American for doing that. Listen, let me tell you something. It is it is a pure privilege and an honor for Ahmad Rashad to call you his main man. So you should you should really just take this in, man, and soak it in. Everybody and their sister is his main man. Come on. Hey, listen, man. You know, we need to get him on the show so we can call him out and get hold him to the fire. Hold him accountable. Who is your main man? It's me. Because well, I think I'm his only fan. <laughs> you are his only fan. No, you and Michael Jordan. So there you go. Yeah, listen, man. But listen, there is only one. There is only one for me, Jim, and you are my main man. So no homo. That's I'm, okay. No, no, I'm 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 not modding you right now. Well, I'm no, being, no. I'm being well, truthful. I just remembered. I just remembered why we why I brought him up because it was something we were going to bring up on the show possibly, but didn't do so. Yes. You know, Floyd Mayweather and the company you keep, because of course Saturday night his big whoop de doo fight. He comes down to the ring with Justin Bieber, and it got me to thinking about other pe- other great athletes who hang out with um lesser lesser beings. If you're a championship athlete, you associate yourself with the best by nature. Yes. And Michael Jordan is the prime example of people who don't do that. You see him taking in a game and the first person right next to him with a brown nose because it's right up his butt is his main man, Ahmad Rashad. So don't be messing with Ahmad Rashad. Oh, I'm I'm keeping it real, <laughs> these okay. Uh, well, you know we do have 
some things to talk about today. It's not a real busy, busy day in the world of sports. Well, tell me my main man. But your main man, Jim Williams, and I, we're going to come at you with some good stuff today. So let's recap. Let's recap Monday night's game. And really, we spent five minutes under Mad Rashad, more than he's ever gotten in his whole playing career. All right. That's not true. Maybe he had 44 touchdowns. What's the matter with you? Okay, Paul Kai, four touchdowns, one game. Whoopty tinkle. Hey, listen, don't mess with Al Bundy. Uh, oh, Paul Kai is legendary. I'm not. I hate Paul Kai is legendary. So All right, Monday night cool. football. Let's get to people who can actually play. That's good. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about that for Monday night's game, but let's get to people that play the game. I don't know if they actually can play, but Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 20-10. to 10. Ben Roethlisberger, 20 of 37. One touchdown. Andy Dalton, 24 of 45 and one touchdown. Yeah. Watch this game. Was it miserable for you as it was for me? Um, I didn't watch the game because I'm a smart man. Uh, but but you it was yeah, it was ugly. I mean, the law firm got some some ground game going, you know, running for 75 yards. But again, you you have Giovanni Bernard being um being the go-to guy for the touchdowns. Why is he only getting eight carries again? Here we go again. I just said that. On uh, Monday. There's something to be said for the mentality of football, where you have a guy who is your running back between the 20s, and then your guy who is your red zone running back. And I think that's the logic, for lack of better terms, your ground and pound guy. And that's what Bernard is. Um, I'm with you completely, though. Ben Jarvis would be... Agreed. Agreed. Giovanni Bernard's 5'9", 208 pounds. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis is two inches taller, thirty pounds heavier. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You you get no argument out of me. I'm just the devil's advocate in this instance. Um, you know, it, just tell me, ugly. You, tell me now. <laughs> yeah, your main man. Yes, you're my main man, Jim. Yeah, I, thank you, my brother. Um, but but seriously, you look at Pittsburgh. The writing is already on the wall for this team. Oh, okay. And the stats all has been flung about since the beginning of the weekend. Teams who are 0-2 since, uh, I think it was 1990, about 11% of the time go to the playoffs. Pittsburgh is in deep doo-doo, and it doesn't get much better as the weeks go on. I mean, uh, Ben Roethlisberger is not what he once was. He has literally few people to – who are you going to say is his top wide receiver? Sanders? Uh, probably between Sanders and Kachery. There's, you know, there's no question about that. Yeah, but even there, you're. Oh, and, and, about... and also you got Antonio Brown too. It's not like so he doesn't have anybody to throw. He has three. He doesn't have a one, is what I'm trying to say. He doesn't, but he does have three number twos to throw to. Mm, that's that. That might be nice. But that, that that may be putting it nicely. I would say these are guys who on any other roster would be number three wide receivers. Well, I mean, if you're on a deep team, there's no doubt about it. On other teams, I would. I would give them the number two spot. Kachi probably the third. Yeah, I, I, and again, it comes down to, you know, Felix Jones what, uh, has been a retread, but not you know doing anything on the ground. Here's the other thing. They, they let Rashad Mendenhall go. But Who's yet, flourished in Arizona by comparison. Yeah. yeah, but yet you bring guys like Felix Jones. Come on. They're bringing in retreads. It's like, what are you, the New York Yankees? You're bringing in old parts that yeah. people know just for the sake of, oh, I know that guy, but he doesn't do anything. I I don't know, man. Just an ugly game, and uh, I'm surprised Cincinnati didn't run away with it earlier. But then no. again, they've got their issues too. So I mean, honestly, you got to look at it. 
this, you know, Tomlin's done after the season. There's no question. He has about to it. be. And you know what? Pittsburgh's a place where you don't get a lot of turnover. I mean, he's the third head coach in what forty years, going back to Chuck Knoll and of course Bill Cowher before him. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's the nature of the game and the nature of the times. He's not going to last that long. But now let me ask you this: Ben Roethlisberger has three years remaining on his deal. What did mm. they do with him? He's your guy. He's their main man. What can you say? Is there They're anybody with a capable backup? Is what Charlie Batch? Oh, and well, you you laugh, but Charlie Batch was serviceable filling in for him. Yeah, but Charlie Batch is also getting Charlie Batch, <laughs> and he's Charlie Batch as well. But exactly, he's not your main man. He's like your your okay man. I mean, he's thirty nine years old now too, Charlie Batch. He's he's thirty nine, which in NFL talk is one hundred and fifteen at quarterback. So old Charlie Batch from Homestead, Pennsylvania. Pride. Oh, look at you! Look at you, Homestead, PA. Holla at your boy. Charlie Batch is my main man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're pathetic. This that's is right. true. This is true. You are pathetic, but that's okay. Um, well, getting back to the game, though. I, from the Cincinnati side, whatever. Sure. Squeaked out a win here. It wasn't a good win for Cincinnati, but it was a win, so you take what you can get. They are one and one on the season, but you got to give Varney Bernard some more carries, man. Jesus. You you, you absolutely have to. It's uh, a game where he's averaged 4.8 yards per clip. I mean, come on. Exactly. You've got to split the load between the two, just so you know what you have with Bernard, and you you you've got a semblance of what you've got in him in these first two games. Yeah. Uh, give him each eighteen carries and see what you can do with it. Again, of course, this goes back to a pet peeve of mine: who the heck doesn't even share passing and running in the NFL? Here's a hint: nobody. Nobody. Uh, you're at best sixty forty, yeah. or of course, in the Andy Riera of the Eagles, ninety five five. So. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see where things go. Again, this is a division that is going to be so in flux, up and down, left and right. And again, there may be one or two divisions this year where the winning team who wins the division may only have eight or nine wins, this being one of them. And as we'll talk about momentarily, segueing to uh, the night uh, up ahead, Thursday night, the yeah. NFC East is certainly going to be another one of those kind of divisions. Yeah, that's and to me that's going to be a good game. So let's get into that right now. And that's Andy okay. Reid and his Kansas City Chiefs returning to Philadelphia to face the one Philadelphia Eagles and Chip Kelly. Let me ask you: You're the big Eagles fan here, Jim. Who wins this game? Why are you got to put me on the spot like that? Well, first I got of all, because we need it for our stats. By the way, after two weeks, we're even, aren't we? Nope. I am twenty and twelve. You are nineteen and thirteen. One back. One game separates us all. One back of my main man. That's okay. But <laughs> we're going to just drive this into the freaking ground. Get used to it, folks. No. Uh, no, we're not. Um, Kansas City and Philadelphia, not, here, here's the thing. We've seen Kansas City go to 2-0 and to start the season. Uh, Alex Smith is flourishing to a certain extent under Andy Reid. And, of course, that bastion of great Eagles quarterback uh, from years gone by, Doug Peterson. Don't get me started. Doug Patterson, time shares. Um, what do you think time shares? <laughs> Doug Peterson is Andy Reid's main man. It all comes full circle. No, but, you, you, okay, a couple of things of note. Number one, with this Eagles defense, which, by the way, comes straight from Our Lady of the Blind and Deaf, the way this defense is played. That's the same church I go to. 
Oh, well, that explains everything. Exactly. Yes, uh, which means you're going to hell. I'll see with you. Eagles, with this Eagles defense, and, and we've seen it in doses with some teams, all you have to do is run the football, run the football, and run the football. Mm-hmm. And you've got Jamal Charles in the backfield for Kansas City, correct? Correct. Yeah. If he doesn't gain at least 100 yards on the ground... Something is seriously wrong. But wait, Andy Reid is calling it, so he won't do that. Uh, calling plays. I'm going to pick Philadelphia, but it's gonna—it's a game that's a pick 'em game to me. It can go either way. The only definitive thing I will say about this game: take the over. That's the only definitive thing you can say because you know the Eagles are going to score 30 points, and you know they're going to give up 30 points. Yeah. Well, so, Philly does have the line by three. That's 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 your classic hometown line when you get yeah, a three exactly. points. Yeah, so. But you know what? It's I'm gonna pick KC. And I, can I really see am. That. I can only see because that. I, I I don't trust Philadelphia's defense. I don't care if Philadelphia puts up 35 points this game. If they're gonna continue to put this defense on the field double the time than they did last season, yeah, they're gonna keep losing games. They're gonna score 35. But guess what? I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas City scores 42 or 43. Um, and I can see it go that way, too. I really, really can. I'm yeah. just being a homer and trying to well, play space. You got, exactly. you you, you got to go for your home team no matter what. Logically speaking, though, i got to say, I think Kansas City can take this game. Oh, they absolutely can. I'm not I'm – not... I'm not doubting that they can. I, I'm yeah. so, I'm sold on Alex Smith under Andy Reid. I think it comes down to will they get the running game going, and they will to a certain degree, but as long as Andy Reid has a breath in his lungs, you know he's going to be pass first, pass second, pass third, pass fourth. Okay, let's run to be honest, fifth. But you know what? That goes also for Philadelphia, and what we saw uh, what we saw with McCoy only getting 11 carries against the yeah. Diego Chargers, that can't happen again. That can't happen again is right. And it's got to be double that at least. He's He's got to get 20 carries. Yeah. He's got, and still for for his day on a fantasy perspective, if you want to go there, he's still where he caught balls on screen patterns and what have you, still had a heck of a game. I mean, he's good. He's the all-purpose back. Oh, there's he no doubt really about it. The definitive all-purpose back, but they didn't use the run with him enough because I guess, ooh, running the ball takes too much time, and we have to get everything in in two minutes or less, and... Chip Kelly's still trying to find his way, and there's been some some talk, I I don't remember where I read the rumblings, that Chip Kelly actually is using, via texting and what have you, Andy Reid is an advisor of sorts. What? Let me see if I can find that. Live editing, live live research on the air. Hey, that's the only way to do it. We don't have a producer. Well, we can't afford one either. Uh, Chip Kelly, Andy Reid, but I—I I, I mean, everything here—it's just—I uh, I don't know. It's—it's it's just a mess. And, and of course, the whole thing with this. Oh yeah, here, yeah. Andy Reid helped with Chip Kelly hire. This was from uh, way back. Oh, uh, helped with the hire. Okay, I thought you meant he was texting him now, asking for. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, looking for a good place to uh, get a cheesesteak. I—I <clears throat> uh, I know plenty. Actually, Chip Kelly would be asking Andy Reid that question. Not yes, he would. Well, <laughs> I forgot. I've been. Uh, Andy knows about it. all the best hot spots in Philadelphia. There's no yes, question yes, about that. Yes, he does. And, and let let it be said, if there's ever a reason to change your uniform colors, it's because of Andy Reid. I'm sorry, Andy. You and Red do not go together. 
Not not pretty. As long as he wasn't a Viking on the Vikings, man, then you know. And then he'd be the purple people eater. Literally. <laughs> Listen so, to me, it's Grimace. There you go. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Well played, sir. Well played. Well, Grimace was awesome back in the day. So. Grimace was awesome. But before we go any further, let's start at the phone number three four seven two. Please call five three seven three. Give us a call and talk to your main man, Jim Williams, and myself. Uh, you, you're gonna beat that horse to the ground. All right. All right. So you got Philly. I got Philly in a squeaker. I'm taking KC by a touchdown. What's what's the uh... Because you're Mr. Mr. Uh, Johnny Gambler here. Uh, what's the over-under set at? Oh, let me see. John Nguyen Hodem. Nguyen Hodem. Nguyen walk away. I know the Eagles have the line by three, but where is the over and under is what I would like to know. That's what I'm trying to figure. That's what I'm trying to get out of you, sir. Not that we encourage gambling on this show. We don't encourage gambling, but it always helps us when looking at these games. As Mark Lawrence on his Against the Spread show would always say, remember to bet with your head, not over your head. Uh, over under 51, according to Bodog. Okay. That's, God, that's, that's pretty low. It is that's low. That's low, man. It is low, but... Man, Well, you know what? I, I know why they said it that way, because these are two teams playing a short week. That's what it comes down to. It's a short week, three, three to four game, four day turnaround. That's the only logic I can think because I, I think this is a game where a combined seventy points is easily within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Well, so. we'll take a look at the other week three games on Friday's episode of Twenty Four Seven Sports Hub Radio. And what the hell? We'll even give it an over under on those games as well. What the heck? We'll just we'll just get Jimmy the Greek uh, from beyond uh, the grave and Jimmy the Greek. Yeah. All right, man, let's jump into a little bit of basketball. That's right, it's the NBA. We're going to talk about our favorite person here, and that's former Los Angeles Lakers and Philadelphia 76er center, <laughs> Andrew Biden. <laughs> oh, let's, let's – can I just reflect on the great times and the great moments he had as a 76er? There was the press conference, and then there was the um, – Press conference. And, and don't forget about that uh, two-four spare he picked up a uh, bowling. At the... Oh yes, and, and then he danced in Spain like a flamenco dancer, and uh, that he can do. Yeah. Well, oh, apparently his knees. Will knees let him... But playing basketball is. Apparently his knees will let him dance like he's uh, Don Juan. But no, it's oh my goodness. So apparently, your main man. Andrew Bynum. And he is your main man. You're down with Bynum. Come on. No, no doubt about it. He, you know, he is your brother from another mother of some sort. Hey, we got the same uh, afro and everything. There we go. Well, oh, my. I didn't go there. Uh, well, he's now with the Cavaliers, and they're going to be likely without their biggest offseason acquisition, according to Sam Amico of FoxSports.com. Uh, he's going to be out all preseason because, wait for it, wait for it, rehabbing the knee injuries. Training camp starts on October 1st, according to a source uh, uh, per Fox Sports Ohio, Bynum is, quote, nowhere near ready and is likely to miss the entire preseason. He could, however, give it a go early in the regular season, if not for the opener, October 30th, against your beloved Brooklyn Nets. Not my Brooklyn Nets. Oh, well, oh, I'm sorry, you're a knickerbocker. I'm, I'm a knickerbocker for the ice. But you know what, you look at the Cav you know the Cleveland Cavaliers roster, 
And, uh, you know, I like what they did in the draft picking up Tyler Zeller. That's going to help him at the good, center that's spot. Good yeah. A that's healthy good. Anderson, Varejo can help him for the center spot. So if Bynum doesn't play, I think they're all right at the center spot right now. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, and, Anthony and they, Bennett, they they got in the draft as well, so they got another big there in the power four in Anthony Bennett. And you got to love Kyrie Irving, you got to love Deion Waiters, and you got to love the pickup of uh, Jarrett Jack this offseason. That, that's that's going to help them. They are a good young team, and they're going to be a fun team to watch. And I want them to do well. Yes. I, I really want them to do well. I think it's a it's, a it's a two or three year process before we can definitely say they're a playoff team. Yeah, and you know what? It's gonna come around to looking both at Anthony Bennett and Tyler Zeller as well. If are, are they NBA players? I think Zeller's gonna pay uh, almost immediate dividends. I really think he is. Uh, I so, think so. I think so. It's gonna it's, be it's, it's you know it's, to watch. It's Anthony Bennett I look at the most. It's uh, you know what can he do? You know, especially since they picked him up in the draft. Uh, you know. Real early, because mm-hmm. he was the number one pick. Shot. Yeah. Shot. Going back to Bynum, I can't believe he's 26 years old. You would think he's a lot older with all the all the drama he's surrounded with. Oh, he, he, he looks like a 50-year-old man as well, son. Well, you know, and his knees are about 175, which means uh, they should have gotten a birthday wish from Willard Scott the other day. <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> Happy birthday from Schmuckers! How sweet it is! You know, but... If Bynum comes back healthy, it is a boost for this Cleveland team. There's no doubt about that. Is it? It is. It is. It, no, I, I mean not sincerely. I'd rather upgrade for it. Well, okay. I'd rather see what what the what my my draft picks can do than than put Andrew Bynum in quite oh, frankly. No, there's no question about that. But so Irish out had a big injury. He is supposedly healthy and coming back, but is that going to factor anywhere down the line this season? So you got two centers now. That are coming off significant leg injuries. Mm-hmm. That might put a lot of the spotlight on Zeller. Yeah. And I like it. I love the pick. I, I talked very highly about that pick, and a lot of people said, eh? I'm, no, no. I, I'm with you. I, I dig the pick, and I, I think he's going to pay some immediate dividends. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be a 20-10 and 10 guy overnight. No, I'm not saying that, and he doesn't need to be to be successful at this point. Uh, but he'll he'll pay some immediate dividends so long as he stays healthy through uh, training camp and the preseason. Hard to believe. I mean, the preseason starts for basketball and training camp in the next couple of weeks, and we're already into uh, preseason hockey games, too. Yeah, my uh, Rangers beat the Flyers last night. Good thing the games don't count. Uh, you, anyway. Oh, oh, don't, you hockey puck. May Peter Puck haunt you in your nightmares tonight. Eat the puck. Oh, jeez. All right, let's continue. You that just right. Thank you. Let's uh, continue on the NBA trend here. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of an interesting blog today. Uh, Steve Kerr thinks the Heat won't repeat, picks the Chicago Bulls to come out of the East on top. What do you I, think of that, Jim? I hope he's right. Because Steve Kerr is, for my money right now, the most knowledgeable analyst in basketball. He does a great job with Turner Sports and in the tournament with CBS. I hope he's right because we've we've seen Chicago get to that point where, you know, they have all the talent in place. It's just there's an injury here, there's an injury there. It's all contingent upon one player, Derrick Rose. No doubt it. He's that team. But you, you know what? You got to give credit to this Bulls team. And especially, not he's not with them anymore, but former Bulls point guard Nate Robinson. True. 
Dame played some damn good basketball last year without Derrick Rose. So it goes to show you, if you have a good team with role players and a star player goes out, you can still play competitive basketball. You can, definitely. And you got to wonder where Derrick Rose's mind is right now. Mm-hmm. Because he's a guy who was cleared to play towards the end of the season and the playoffs, but did not play. Yeah. It was more a mental thing in my mind than a physical thing. And we'll see if that carries over to this season. That's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, you still got Joakim Noah there. You got Luol Deng. You got Carlos Boozer. Kirk Heinrich is back since last year. Mike right. Levy Jr. they bring in on board. So you got yourself a good shooter. Mm-hmm. And now is the time for this both team to do something because if it's not, there's going to be a couple of guys leaving this roster after the year, and there might be a little bit of an offset there. Uh, definitely, and you know things are going to move backwards, and can't afford to have that happen at this point. Well, taking a look at the NBA East, okay, who do you think could come out on top if it's not Miami? If it's not Miami, if hmm. it's not Miami coming out on top honest- of Eastern Conference. Because honest to goodness, I can't see anybody but Miami. I, I really can't. But if you're gonna you're gonna stake me to this, aren't you? Uh, brr, let me see. Who has really? I guess the, the 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 more roundabout way of asking the question is who can challenge Miami for hmm. for uh, the top spot in the East? Well, it's. I, I mean, honestly, to me, it's going to be the four teams that were after. Miami last year. I, I honestly don't see Atlanta, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Toronto, Detroit, and whoever else is in Philly's Eastern. playing for the damn lottery, and they admitted it, okay? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you look past the Knicks, the Indiana Pacers, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Chicago Bulls, who else is in the Eastern Conference that can compete against the Miami Heat? Nobody. I'm inclined to say maybe Brooklyn. Maybe Brooklyn. Well, that's why well, I picked Brooklyn, too. I'm saying there's really, you know, if it's not the Knicks, the Nets, the Pacers, or the Bulls, there's nobody else in the East that can compete. The Pacers, I'm, uh, the Pacers I have to see more of because I'm not 100% sold on them. They may have overachieved last year. I, I, I don't necessarily think so. I think they got the role players. Now with a healthy Danny Granger coming back, I think that's really going to help them. Plus, you have to see, too. They brought in Chris Copeland from the Knicks, so they got another big off the bench that's going to shoot. And that's you got to give props to them bringing in Luis Scola. So they upgraded. They did upgrade, but yeah. let, let's see how all these upgrades pan out, obviously. Well, that's that's the ticket. I mean, I'm I'm inclined to say the only other team that can really challenge right now, and I, I, I don't know about the Knicks, I, I and even you were hesitant to say the Knicks. You went with Brooklyn before the Knicks. I just have a feeling Brooklyn's going to make a run this year. I, 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 I don't think so. No, I honestly don't think so. I, I think I, I'm not. I listen, think, I think I, it's Miami's conference to lose. We all we all concede that. It's it's Miami's, no doubt about that. But I think when you look at the Brooklyn Knicks, uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> to me it mimics that Los Angeles Lakers team of when they brought in all the old aging stars to try to win a championship. You might have something there. You I very just, well may have something there's there. Too many people. I mean, if you look at the starting lineup right now off the bat, Kevin Garnett. Paul Pierce, Joe Johnson, Deron Williams, four players that need the ball to be effective on the court. How do you share that ball between four players? You can't. No. You just can't. No, you can't. And I'm not sure who uh, who else is going to be. Let me see. Brooke you... Lopez, uh, yeah, Brooke Lopez as well. You know, so your starting like... five is screwed like that. Yeah. Well, let me. You know? Well, let me let me put it to you this way. Do you liken this? You mentioned saying like the Los Angeles Lakers. Do you liken this, considering there are so many people there, to the Boston Celtics of the last couple of years too? Is, is it akin to that? Eh, in a way, in a way. But 
you got to give props to some of the players. Ray Allen, he needs the ball to be effective, but he can also play on the defensive end of the ball. Paul Pierce, he was the heart of that team. Kevin Garnett can play both sides of the ball, but you saw last year, Kevin Garnett's on the downside of his career. There's no question about that. You're not going to get from Kevin Garnett what you got three years ago with the Boston Celtics. So, we'll see what happens. But Joe Johnson... Bull hog galore, you know, Jason Terry, Karolenko coming off the bench. There's a lot of guys coming off the bench that need the ball as well. So we shall see. We shall I, I honestly think it's going to come down to, and I hate being the homer, I, I think it's going to come down to the Knicks and the Bulls. Yeah. You know, behind Miami. I, I still don't think Miami's going to drop that top spot. If they do, I'd be shocked. It would take uh, a lot for them to drop it down. Yeah. We shall see what happens. There's been a lot of teams, a lot of upgrades, and a lot of teams losing players as well. So that's what uh, that's what makes the round ball rock, as it were, as John Tesh might say. Yeah, yes. they were talking about teams who won the, the last three. Pete was the Lakers in 2000, 2002. Nobody has ever won four consecutive titles in the NBA Finals since the Boston Celtics of the mid 80s. So sure. the goes to say, and I quote: "There's a reason these teams don't do it." emotionally, it's just exhausting to keep doing it year after year, particularly when you have to deal with everything Miami has to deal with on a daily basis, just the constant critiquing and scrutiny on the team, and then you factor in the injuries with Wade and Bosch and their health, I don't think Miami will get out of the East this year, end quote. You kind of got to agree with them a little bit there. I do agree, especially in the concept of, of them not going to three-peat, not going to four-peat, five-peat, like they were saying in that ballyhooed, media junket when LeBron and the and the NWO formed, if you will, in Miami. It's tough to do psychologically. Physically, you know these guys are the most gifted, talented guys in the association. No doubt about it. But it's a mental thing. It absolutely is a mental thing. And they can say all they want that the haters going to hate and that stuff rolls off their back, but it gets in your mind. Mm-hmm. And it, it it gets to the deep recesses, and to a point, things blow up. And you know with any locker room, with this much ego, heads are going to butt. Oh, yeah. That's inevitable, and it's how they handle those moments that will that will define them ultimately. Yeah, and also the age part of it, too. If you look at some of the players that could possibly be coming off the bench that you know Eric Spolster is going to really rely heavily on, yeah. Ray Allen's 38. Right. Shane Battier is 35, Udonis Haslam 33, Chris Anderson, who they really played a lot when they signed them last season, 35 years old as well, 36, uh, you know, when the season starts. The fact that Shane Battier is pushing 35, that makes me feel really, Doesn't really that old. Make you feel, I just looked at that and I said, holy crap, Shane Battier he, is he 35. He's been in the league that long? That that just makes me feel so I, old. Was, I, I honestly, what, I, I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but there are certain players I really follow. He was one I followed, and I remember him playing for Duke. Oh, absolutely. Well, of course, it, it, it doesn't hurt that, if I'm not mistaken, he was a four-year player. Well, because people knocked him for being a four-year player. Yeah, exactly, because, well, well, we'll see. And, and and has it served him well? Yes. Absolutely. And then again, when you work with uh, Coach Krasuski, as Jim Rome would call him, you would play Krasuski. Well, listen, he, he's a gold medalist. He's a two-time NBA champion. And, oh, it's true. And listen, after he's done in basketball, this guy's going to go into something just as great. There's no doubt about it. He's brilliant. So yeah, he could he could he could be a coach perhaps yeah. down the road. He's been a big, big, big fan of yeah. Shane Battier. 
You know, it really bothered me when people knocked him that he didn't go out after three years in college and, because he wanted to stay four. It really bothered me. mentality in this day and age. Yeah. Hell, you're lucky you stayed two years in college anymore. I think that's only because of the NBA rules that were put in place the last few years. Thankfully, you know, they did. The Allen Iverson situation, one and done back in the 90s and that kind of thing. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, look at it, too, man. I forgot that Paul, uh, Paul Gasol went in the same draft. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It may, yeah, lots of talent. Unbelievable. I mean, if you just look at half of these players, man, it, you know, it's – and honestly, when they were talking about Vlad Dukas of the uh, Jets saying yeah. that he was four years in, I'm like, he was just drafted the year before. And It, it you know, happens on a staff of one's fingers. It really does. It really yeah, does. Unbelievable, man. 2010, it feels like it was uh, just yesterday, but it wasn't. So. Yep, there was three going on four years ago. It's amazing. <sighs> Unbelievable. All right, Jim, it's time for baseball. Yeah, we've got uh, a, a bit of baseball to talk about. You know what? Do you want me to play the clip before we go to the standings first? Let's do that because it's pretty funny. Okay, now um, I'm going to set this up, and there's going to be like two or three seconds of dead air because I have to switch over on my settings on Skype here, so please indulge me. John Sterling, the voice of the New York Yankees, rolls eyes and back of head, uh, called an Alex Rodriguez at bat last. Uh, actually, this was Monday night, I want to say. It might have been Tuesday night. Uh, whenever R.A. Dickey was facing them. I guess it was last night then. Yeah, it was last and, and this is what happens when a home run is not really a home run. Take a listen. Come over the right. Here is the 2-2 to Alex. Swung on and drilled to deep right center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Over the right center field wall. Oh, it hit and kicked over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got that all wrong. I got that all wrong. At the wall, Davis made the catch. Honestly, I didn't think he made it. I thought he gave up on the ball. That's why I thought it was out. So Davis made a catch against the right center field wall, and they were two away. Well, you hit a rope, though. And that's what happens when Dickey gets that knuckleball up, and it just sort of flutters there and stays there. As John was saying, you can hit a lot of home runs off of him. Now here's Cano with two outs. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I still find it damn hilarious. I mean, how, how do you call I mean, seriously, he thought that ball was probably 500 feet out of the stadium, the way he called it. Well, because he's all busy doing it. He's getting ready for his, it's an A-bomb for A-Rod, everything. It, it makes me, you know, I, I know enough, and I'm not lumping myself into this because I'm nobody's main man. I know enough talented broadcasters who call the game right, call the game well, who are sitting on the sidelines because a sap sucker like John Sterling is still employed. It, it's it's because he drinks the Yankee Kool-Aid. That's why. That's why he's employed, ladies and gentlemen. And he's done this God knows how many times in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, we had a, an instance on the on the Touch Em All podcast uh, earlier this season. Uh, ball deep down the line, it is a foul ball. Oh, wait, it was caught. It was caught like 15 feet fair. Yeah. And he called it a foul ball out of play. I, I don't know. But, but, enough, but enough about incompetency in broadcasting. 
Yeah, because I'm sure we can get you into that for a few hours. Oh, Lord knows you could. Maybe we'll do a show here, the best broadcasters in sports. Uh, yeah, that that that'll that'll set the ratings on fire, but it'll be good talk for me. Let's take a look at what's going on in Major League Baseball. Uh, nobody has clinched a division yet, but it's going to happen probably by the next time we talk to you on Friday. Boston's magic number is now three to clinch the American League East. Uh, as they have a nine-game lead on Tampa Bay, 11 on Baltimore, 12.5 on the Yankees. The Central, uh, the magic number is six for Detroit, over, uh, and that's the number of games they lead Cleveland by six, and Kansas City uh, by nine. Out West, the lead is still 6.5 for Oakland, and the magic number holds at six for the A's to clinch the American League West. In the National League, the differential is eight games between uh, first and second. The Braves leading the Nationals. The Nationals winning yesterday a day-night doubleheader against the Bravos in D.C. Uh, we'll talk about the wild card because that becomes interesting again. Uh, Washington, the hottest team in baseball, winning nine of their last ten and uh, 12 of their first 15 in the month of September. In the National League Central, St. Louis has overtaken first place again after a big win in Mile high, uh, St. Louis by one game over Pittsburgh, by two and a half over Cincinnati, and uh, the, we're not even talking magic number when we get to the NL Central because it's going to come down to the final day of the season. And in the West, the Dodgers' lead is ten and a half games. The magic number is two. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, in theory, since they are playing in Arizona, the, the magic number is win your wins plus opponents' losses. Yeah. They can clinch in theory either tonight or tomorrow. Mm. So um, the Dodgers are going to get that done. The Dodgers have been just putting parts in place to see what they have in terms of depth, depth rather on the bench. Uh, so that's why they haven't been playing their best baseball as of as of yet. Uh, playing 500 ball the last few uh, last week or two. Let's go to the wild card now in the American League. If it all ended today, and of course it doesn't. Uh, Tampa Bay and Texas would be your wild card teams, but it gets interesting from there in the American League. Cleveland is all of a half game back. They beat Kansas City last night 5-3 to three, to move to within half a game. They're just one back in the loss column no. uh, of Texas. Baltimore's two back. Uh, they beat Boston last night. Kansas City and the Yankees are now both three and a half games back, outside looking in, and with about 12 games left in the season, they got to go nine and three or ten and two to even have a prayer. Not happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, no. the Yankees do face Tampa Bay for three games in Tampa. If they somehow sweep that, it could be game back on. But still, they have to handle their own business. And when you face Toronto, a team you should beat, and you get shut out by them, you do yourself no favors. Exactly. In the National League, it's Pittsburgh and Cincinnati for the wild card spots right now. But then we bring in Washington to the fray here, a team that is facing Atlanta again uh, this evening after the day-night doubleheader they won uh, yesterday. They're now four and a half games back with, uh, doing the math here, 11 to play. It comes off to me like it's too little too late, but where Pittsburgh and Cincinnati face each other six times in the next week and a half, including this weekend, three games, if they beat each other up and Washington keeps on this incredible run, you can't rule them out. You can't completely rule them out. Still a lot of fun, man. It's uh, it's competitive stuff, so nothing is definite in the wild card department as of yet. 
Uh, matter of fact, let me go to MLB.com here, and uh, they even have the postseason probabilities uh, numbers here. Mm-hmm. They have Boston 100%, of course. Tampa, 81%. And from there, Baltimore is at a 5% chance to get to the uh, – uh, 6% chance to get to the wild card. Yankees at 4.4%. They uh, break it down by division. Let me uh, let me go to the National League wild card and uh, look at me. I'm almost sabermetricizing myself here. <laughs> right now, at this point in time, Washington has a two percent chance of winning the wild card given all the stats in place. But it still it still could pan out, for lack of better terms. It still yeah. could pan out. Mm. So. Let me let me ask you this though. Yesterday, Houston Astros lost, so it's their third consecutive 100 game losing season. I mean, yeah. uh, unbelievable. So that's the first time since Kansas City did it in 2004 to 2006. With the team the Astros have, could they make it four next year? I think you answered your own question. They have a team. Do they have a team? They got money, but could they actually entice anybody to come here? They've got one guy who's making over a million dollars on the payroll. Come on. They easily could. And it's not even so much because of what they have on the field. Look at the division they're in. Seattle is, okay, they're not a great team, but they have Felix Hernandez. They have some star power there. They're on the way up, I think. Not, I'm not saying they're going to win a division anytime soon, but they've mm-hmm. got some, some talent in place. Yeah. The Angels, classic underachievers the first two years of this big multi-million dollar era with their new owner, they're due to pick it up. They're due to get it going as long as Mike Trout's in. They'll be fine. And, and Hamilton and Pujols get old. Well, yeah, exactly. And Oakland and Texas, there's just too much talent in there. I think by default, the fact that the four teams ahead of them are infinitely better than them, they are doomed for a 100-loss season again next year. Yeah. yeah. It's a foregone conclusion as far as I'm concerned because they don't give a damn about putting talent on the field. Oh, let's just see what we have. Let's bring up our minor leaguers. Let's bring But their minor minor league system is so depleted. Oh, it's done. Yeah. It's it's, you know, where did hell did everybody go? Well, they went elsewhere. They they they're so uh, words escape me right now just to show you tell you how bad their minor league farm system is. Uh, I mean, you know, it's deemed a feeder system, but right now there's nothing to feed. So, all right. It's it's a mess there with the Astros. So congratulations on three years of futility. Hooray! Oh, man, I wouldn't want to be an Astros fan, that's for sure. Oh, and you segue very nicely. You just reminded me. Astros fans, there are some out there, believe it or not. <laughs> this is uh this is this is fun. How many Astros fans do you think watch Astros games on uh, the regional sports network, their Comcast Sportsnet in Houston? Now, before you answer that question, mm-hmm. I need to preface it with a couple of things. Number one, Comcast Sportsnet Houston has had some big-time carriage issues. They're not seen throughout much of Houston because of, of uh, cable and satellite doings and what have you. That being said, we have numbers from Saturday. Astros-Angels game. We have the number of households, according to Nielsen, that watched the Astros play on Comcast Sportsnet. Now, John, we're going to play higher or lower. Tell me how many people you think, total number of viewers, we're not talking rating, we're talking total number of viewers who watched the Astros game on Comcast Sportsnet in the Houston area last Saturday. Last Saturday? Yes. 
pre-show, I guessed fifteen thousand. You, you pre-show, you guessed that, and I will say you lower. Wow, nine thousand. Lower. Oh my God, four thousand. Lower. Zero. <laughs> Not far from it. Higher. I'll, I'll. We'll give in here. Give in, yeah. Nine hundred and eighty-four. Nine hundred and eighty-four viewers for a professional baseball team. This is this is real. This is prime time television, folks. As Jessica Savage used to say. Uh, the Astros broadcast a six-two loss to the Angels Saturday night. According to the Nielsen Company, got a point oh four three rating, which, if you do the math, is nine hundred eighty-four households. That is just ridiculous. It is the lowest-rated live game ever for the Houston Astros, beating out a game against the Reds from last year when they were on a much widely, a much more widely available Fox Sports Net Houston, that drew a paltry point oh five. The difference, though, is that game went up against the Texans' home opener. There was not much con, uh, competition Saturday by comparison of note in the Houston area. Yeah. So that's uh, that's embarrassing. And, and this is a network, and we go back to the regional sports thing and a little broadcast speak here. You know, the Mets own Sportsnet New York, but the majority of it. The Yankees have a 51% stake now in, in yes because Fox bought the other 49%. The Royals tried to do their own sports network, and it folded. CSN Houston is majority-owned, I believe, by the Astros, and that's failing because nobody's watching and it's not getting proper carriage. It makes you wonder, why bother? I mean, allegedly this this network, which nobody is watching, is going to net the Astros $80 million this year. Yeah. And where's it going to go? Right into the owner's pockets, because you know it's not going to the talent on the field. It disgusts me. It absolutely disgusts me. So, I wouldn't be watching the Astros games. I know I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't watch them even if I was an Astro fan. So, I mean, you know what? You don't mind. I don't want to say you don't mind, but you don't mind watching a team in a losing season as long as they continue to compete or they're showing some kind of improvement. They're not though. But they're, they're not, not in Houston. They they're are not. showing lateral movement. Actually, that's not nice. I was going to say lateral movement to the side doing nothing, but that would mean they're like maybe a 65-70 win team. They are perpetually the yodely guy from the prices right there, falling off the edge of the mountain, and they are in nice. free fall mode. Nice. But you know what? Let's segue into that now. Yes. Talking about a bad team that you can watch because you do see an improvement or you do see some kind of a future, and that's the New York Mets. And a big part of their future, Matt Harvey went down with a tear um, in his in his pitching elbow. This season, and news coming out now is that Matt Harvey, 24-year-old uh, New York Mets star, and I gotta say, it's star and ace pitcher, um, would uh, he was supposed to undergo Tommy John surgery, but he is going to forego that for at least the next two months to rehab his elbow to see if he doesn't need to have Tommy John surgery after seeing, of course, the world famous Dr. James Andrews. I don't agree with this, Jim. I don't either. I don't either. And here's the funny thing. He's foregoing it for now, but he still may end up having to have it. Yeah. So he's pretty much costing himself two extra months just to see. I, I understand you don't want to have to have surgery if you can help it. I get that. Believe me, I get that. Yeah. 
but he's young. And the yeah. surgery has proven, especially in the last 10 or 15 years, that you can bounce back after a year off the sh- on the shelf. And, and, you know, look at Steven Strasburg, for goodness sakes. He's back, and he's in good form. You know, it, it's... It, 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 but here's what, you know, he's got a positive diagnosis from Dr. James Andrews, which is almost like, you know, as good as gold, because Dr. James Andrews is just... He's he money. Was, he's money. Um, he is young, so reti- you know, recovery, if he doesn't do it, could be a lot quicker. This is what I worry about. Even if he comes back completely healthy without Tommy John surgery next season, the seasons after that, because it's already damaged, it's torn, it's weak, is there going to be a potential when he's 30 for Tommy John surgery when he's in the prime of his career? Absolutely. And you know what? We'll go one step further. Just thinking about, okay, let's say he rehabs and he's healthy enough to go in 2014. If you're, and I'm going to say this nicely, insert Mets manager here because I don't think it's going to be Terry Collins leading the troop. Do you do you give him the Strasburg t- treatment? Do you limit his innings? Do you limit how much he can pitch in 2014 as a precautionary move? Because I think they're going to. And I, that is going to do more damage to him than anything else, quite frankly. If they're not competing, I would. If they're in the hunt of it, if they're competing, you need Matt Harvey. There's no question about it. He is. The, he Same is thing like the step. Nationals did when they shut down Strasburg. You were in competing. You were in the hunt of it. You took Strasburg out. Dumbest move I've ever seen. Yeah. It's it's mind-numbing. I, I mean, I, I hope – listen, I'm a Harvey fan. I like what he's doing in New York. Uh, he made people forget about Robert Allen Dickey very, very quickly. Very quickly. New York. And he is the man to build around, him and David Wright. Him, Zach Wheeler, David Wright, they got some young guys, some good guys. They they are two, like I mentioned in basketball with the with the Cavaliers. This is a two or three year away team. No question about from it. From being playing, you know, for a wild card spot and knocking off Atlanta or Philadelphia or Washington from from a, a playoff spot. Yeah, if it, things finally go the right way for the New York Mets, because we know they never do. Because they are the they they're the M underscore T S. They can't afford the, the E. The Black Cats running around them in circles. There's no question about it. Yeah. They between Matt Harvey. Zach Wheeler, Dylan G, John Neese, and eventually Noah Syndergaard, they could have one of the best pitching rotations in the league. In they a very easily could when healthy. I agree with you there. And, and what are the Mets doing now to keep attention in the New York area? What they did last night, they put, they put Jerry Seinfeld in the broadcast booth. What is up with all of these baseball fans? I know. And what is the deal with Hernandez's mustache? I know. <laughs> I have know. you seen this thing? I actually listened to a little bit of it, some clips of it. It was it was entertaining. I will say that you. I know you're a big Seinfeld fan. Oh man, uh, no, I, I, I'm a fan of the show. I'm not a big fan of Jerry Seinfeld himself, but yeah, his his stand up is an acquired taste. That's yeah. the best. I'm more a George Carlin guy by nature. God rest his soul. So there you go. But uh, that's that's what you're doing. Well, I'm, uh, uh, George Carlin, great. I miss me my Rand- my Rodney Dangerfield because he's my main man. Oh, there you go. As well as another main man. What? What? Sam Kinison. Ah, uh, yes. Well, that's Sam Kinison with a lozenge afterwards right there is what that was. Yeah. Oh, by the way, also talking baseball, shout out to Chris Davis. Hitting his 51st home run last night. Uh, he's now the Orioles' all-time single-season home run champion. 
beating Brady Anderson. Remember him from 1996? Brady with Steroid Anderson. Brady Sideburns Anderson. Steroid Anderson with uh, 50 home runs back in 1996. So if you... Which he admitted. Yeah, well, he admitted. And, and we, we we give him props for that, I guess, for lack of better terms. Um, so, so there's something interesting. And, and right now, when you look at baseball... If the Orioles get to the playoffs, does Davis's performance – well, it obviously merits consideration for the American League MVP. It absolutely does. But does he take away from Miguel Cabrera? Is it, is it Cabrera still to lose? And I think it is. So. Yeah, well, we shall see what happens. i, I got to give Chris Davis huge props because you know the Texas Rangers are saying, why the hell did we trade that guy? Well, yeah, and believe me, right now, considering uh, – Nelson Cruz with the PED use, it all comes full circle, kids, is not playing because he's serving that suspension. That's a bat the Rangers are desperately needing right now Mm -hmm. that is not in the lineup because he cheated. So cheaters never prosper, kids. Uh, You know, it's and the free fall for Texas. That's one other thing we got to talk about briefly here. The Rangers, you know, have bit the big one. They are doing their best impersonation of the Red Sox from a year or two ago in free fall mode. If the if the Rangers don't get to the playoffs, which is a real possibility, does Ron Washington lose his job? I'm inclined to think he does. Yeah. Because, in fact, he mentioned it to the ESPN radio affiliate in Dallas that he knows his he feels like he's on life support with his job. But then he got the kiss of death today. General manager comes out, nothing to worry about. You're safe. You're safe. How many times have we seen it in sports, John, where the GM or the owner backs the manager when their back is against the wall and then... The dynamite explosion occurs, and the manager is as good as gone the next day after. Many times. I'm a New York sports fan, so. <laughs> so, there's that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I, and this Rangers team has been hurt badly. They, 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 it's you, Darvish, and everybody else. That's what this team is. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, we'll see what happens, happens, man. That's another happens. team, too, that's going to end up uh, having to be rebuilt in a little bit, so. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. We have a little over six minutes left in the show, so let's get to this real quick. Forbes putting out their list of some of the U.S.'s richest people. 32 professional sports teams are on that list, their owners. So let's look at it right now. The richest NFL owner is Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, of the, who actually owns the Portland Trailblazers as well That's and right. owns the Seattle Seahawks. He has estimated at $15.8 billion. He is the 26th richest American, Jim. Which I should hate for. I I should hate him for that. I hate him. I hate him. He's got money. NBA owner, though. Now, get this. The richest NBA owner is Rich DeVos, who owns the Orlando Magic. One of the worst in the NBA. Yeah. And what, what is the Magic doing for you, Orlando? Nada. Nada. They Dan mentioned among list who owns three teams. Jaguars owner Shahid Khan's on there, even though the Jaguars are probably going to put him in the in the bankrupt hole soon. Oh, they're going to go to London, so it's okay. Jerry Jones is only worth three billion dollars. Can you believe that? Well, that's because he spent so much money on Botox. <laughs> Botox. Bad facial surgeries. He actually uh, is worth more than Robert Kraft. That surprises me a little bit. Yeah. 
because Kraft has has built up a juggernaut there in Foxborough. Yeah, Robert Kraft is estimated at $2.9 billion, which is the New New England Patriots owner, Mm -hmm. and he owns $3 billion. So not much of a difference, but when you're talking billions, that is a difference. Well, when you're talking billions, it's still a game of flexing nuts. So there you go. All right, let's get into this now. Let's talk a little bit about this Mayweather, Judge. Uh, Jim, you sent it over to me, so uh, I'll let you take care of that one. Okay, now I watched the Mayweather fight Saturday night. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say I paid a lot for that muffler, but I did watch the fight. I'll say that much so I don't incriminate myself. And it was a given Mayweather won the fight handily, and I hate him for that. But the judges' scorecards came in. It was not a unanimous decision. Jimmy Lennon Jr. saying it was a majority decision, and everybody was like, what the, hmm? One judge scored the fight 117-111 in favor of Mayweather. Another 116-112, and I don't think it should have even been that close. Then you've got the third judge, a 22-year veteran female judge uh, by the name of C.J. Ross. She scored the bout 114-114 even. Mm. There's been fallout, and the uh, longtime Las Vegas boxing judge, C.J. Ross, in an email to the Nevada Athletic Commission, said, quote, I will be taking some time off from boxing, but will keep in touch. She is stepping down amid the, amidst the wave of criticism. Mayweather, immediately after the fight, was physically displeased by what ended up being the non-unanimous decision. Ah, oh, poor baby. Poor baby. I can't control what the judges do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I feel so sorry for him because you know that scoring system really just changed what he got from that fight. So, you know, sarcasm galore there. I, I have my sarcasm detector on on tilt. Very, very nice. Yeah. But it is what it is. Well, what it comes down to, and we we talked about this pre-show, boxing has been a virtually dead sport for the better part of the last 10, 15 years. Oh, boxing has been dead for me for easily 15 years. No, there's no question about because, it. Because, okay, there are a handful of names, not even, maybe a couple of name fighters you know. Just a couple. Like, for example, the guy he faced Saturday night. Can I've never heard of him before. Neither never heard of him. Neither, neither heard of him. have I. No. The problem is, even though there are more outlets and more sporting uh, channels than ever before, they're not. they can't market those names. They can't market the young fighters. Back when you and I were growing up, what did you have to watch for? Occasionally on Wide World Sports, you'd see some boxing. Tuesday Night Fights was the great place to watch all the new up-and-coming fighters. Yeah. You know, and, and it was on regular TV. We didn't have to pay for it constantly. Well, exactly. Now well, on you 1,000... If you had cable and you had HBO, guess what? You could watch Mike Tyson taking on somebody on HBO. So... Yeah, and that and plus you've got a guy in Floyd Money Mayweather who is ducking the big name guys. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you know, seventy nine ninety nine for a pay per view. I don't care. Screw that. Screw that. You know, and listen, Money Mayweather. I give him his credit. He is a talented fighter. There's no question he's talented. Can't say he isn't. But he he doesn't face a talent. He faces B and C level talent. Fact of the fact. He hasn't faced anybody good in a long time. So. That's true, and he ducks Manny Pacquiao in his prime because he knows Pacquiao would kill him. Yeah, they're both three morons, though. So, well, they're 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 jabronis. Well, that's the most boxing you'll hear in this uh, show. So, oh wait, I, I don't get to do my Larry Merchant. Well, Jim, you see, five hours later, he hit him with <laughs> the uppercut. Right. Oh, Jim. You're a funny guy. I'm a main man. You're my main man. But let's, I'll tell you, Larry Burchett would give Mayweather the greatest fight he ever had. Oh, probably. 
Go ahead. Not about it. Close it out. Well, that's it for the end of this show. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, right here on the 247 Sports Hub Radio Network to listen in to John Leary and Scott Blooney at New England Sports Radio 247. And don't forget... To make it hardcore. There you go. And don't forget to tune in Friday as we welcome guest Brad Cook from Out of the Park Baseball 2014, as well as Fantasy Hockey Manager, two of the best sports simulators on the market today. Going to talk a little bit to him about both games. It's going to be a really good show, 12 o'clock Eastern Time on Friday. So from my main man, Jim Williams, Jonathan Raggis, we'll see you all tomorrow for New England Sports Radio 247. And goodbye, Willow Bay, wherever you are.